This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, Georgie, check for Dadsy. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. (whistles) Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery free in terms supply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything. From which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However... When it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. They'd messed us around in the dressing room to the full extent that they could legally get away with it. They'd messed us around and we shoved it right up their arse in the pit. <laughs> <laughs> I think I found the soundbite for the beginning of the podcast there, Peter. <laughs> Penalty! That is a massive decision! I'm with Gianfranco Zola. I feel that Knockhart is looking for this penalty. Penalty, penalty, penalty. Carlos, let's get these right. questions out. So this one, uh, this one comes from a from a mutual friend uh, of the of the podcast. It goes, you can ask him from me to talk about the blades of grass he put in his sock after the playoff final. According to this information I have here, there's an excellent story. That's from Andrew uh, French, by the way. That's from Andrew. Yeah, it's French. from Mr. French. Is that from the French? From the what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's. Spilling far too many of my secrets. <laughs> He's I a did, top man. I, I was so um, just so grateful to have played at Wembley Stadium that God, God knows why I did it. It wasn't pre-planned. It wasn't anything. I just at, at the end of the game after we'd received our medals, I went into the into the six-yard box, I think it was, and just pulled a few blades of grass and stuck them behind my medal in the case, and they're still there now. God knows oh, what they smell like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But there's yeah, there's a couple of blades of grass behind because the medal comes in a presentation case. So I lifted the medal up and stuck a few blades of grass behind the medal. So, where, where do you keep the medal? They're at my parents. Oh, oh that's nice. proper. That's the way to do it. That's brilliant. L- ladies and gentlemen, Toby Mooney, everybody. Come on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic. I love that. Right. Um, next one comes from WFC Sam. Favourite moment at the club and why? Uh, no, the final whistle at Wembley. Wembley. For obvious reasons. Yeah, it's, it, all of my childhood dreams were all wrapped up in one. All wrapped up in, in one blow of a whistle, if you like. Yeah, yeah. And then the scenes afterwards. I've got to be honest, I did... Well, I don't mind upsetting Frenchie now he's giving away all my secret. He asked me he asked me to do some he asked me to do some press after the game, obviously. And I told him to piss off because <laughs> I got in the bath. I got in the bath at Wembley on my own with my boots on, with a can of lager and my medal and my medal round my neck on my own. And then before all of the lads had got back in the dress, dressing room, obviously Righty and Smarty were doing the most press, which was great because I didn't really like doing press at that time. Mm. Um, by the time I'd got... So I was in, naked in the bath with my boots on, with a can of lager and my medal. 
I was dressed before anybody else had pretty much got back into the dressing room because I just wanted to get up to my family. Go and share it. Of course. Yeah, go and share them, it. Yeah. yeah. Show them my medal. But say to them, don't take it out of the case because there's some grass. There's some grass behind it, yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. has also been don't, in the bar. Yeah. Yeah. Which, 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 could, which could be misconstrued by any, any drug chatters at any point. Yeah. Never mind. Yeah. Blades, blades of Wembley turf behind that medal. Yeah. How, how does, obviously, the next season, the, the crystal moment for the season is you scoring against your, 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 your boyhood favourite club in, in front of the cop, no less, for, a, yeah. for the only time we've won there. How, what give, I know if it's a percentage. Tell us, how does that compare to the final whistle there? Uh, I tell you what was great about that. It wasn't so much. Uh, listen, I'm in, uh, incredibly grateful that I got that opportunity because Pagey and Willow decided to mug Jamie Carragher in the box. God knows how that was never a free kick, but the ball fell to me and I put it in the net at the cop end, which I still get a stick for f- to this day because all I could say while they're jumping all over me, all I could say was, "Fuck's sake, I've scored at the cop end. I can't believe it." <laughs> And then, and then all I, I just remembered it right. I'm on much of the day. I need to turn my collars down. It was ridiculous <laughs> the, the thought process that was going through my head. But mum and dad were at the obviously in the in the Watford end at the other end of the stadium. But which was great and brilliant for me. Super super proud of myself that you know I've still got that that. Um, stats if you like of, of scoring the last winning goal at Anfield for Watford that's I'm, I'm incredibly proud but that was our first three points so yeah. you're taking that team spirit through the playoffs into the first games I thought we were unfortunate at Wimbledon we were terrible at Sunderland mm. and Kev scored a couple of goals which made it worse and then you go to Liverpool and it's like well it's going to be another game without a win mm. when are we going to get our first win but we were we were good on that we weren't brilliant you guys have seen the game many times. I'm sure you were probably there. I was there, yeah. yeah. We we yeah. carried our luck. Daisy made some great saves. Yeah. You know, they missed some great chances. We missed chances in the second half. I should have had two goals. I should have scored yeah. at the other end. Other end, yeah. Which would have been easier to celebrate in front of the Watford fans. Um, I'd have had no issue with that whatsoever. <laughs> um, but it was after the game, the, re- the reception and applause that the whole of Anfield gave us as a group yeah. of Watford players yeah. was what I remember most about the day. I don't remember the finish. I remember. I, I, I only remember it because I've watched it a couple of times, lads. A couple of times. A couple of times a week. <laughs> no, I remember that reception. Genuinely, walking off the pitch, I was in tears at the reception. Genuinely, mm. was. Yeah, it was amazing that day. Brilliant, and I could see my parents. What made it great was my mum had a bright yellow ski jacket on, so you could so see I, her. I could pick them out. It was dead easy <laughs> for me because the whole before the game, the whole of the, the, the Watford seating area was full. Mm. All of the Watford fans were in there really early, and I struggled to pick out my parents. And like I said earlier on, I like to know that they were in. And yeah, yeah, yeah. We well, weren't allowed. We weren't allowed in any pubs around the, that day. I always remember that. It was almost like no. No, no, can't. So I think Straight that's in. why. Yeah, that's why so many people are in quite early. I can't believe my dad hasn't complained about that. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Right, Carlos. Next question. Right, next question. This is uh, what a great question this is. Um, if you could um, take two former teammates to live on a desert island, who would it be, and why? Well, if it's a desert island, there won't be an ensuite, so I don't need Big Jace. <laughs> <laughs> no, no cleaning. No, there's no, no cleaning required. No, 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 no. Cleaning Let required. nature take its um, course. Yeah, I would take. Oh, be difficult one. I'd have to take. I'd I'll take, take Johnson. I was going to say I'd take Johnny because he's bound to find up find a pub somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, he's bound to have a few beers in his rucksack. <laughs> And also, if anything tries to eat us, Jono will kill him. Ah, oh, yeah, he's Australian. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, not scared of anything. Yeah. yeah, he'd be like, yeah, that's not a shark. I yeah, yeah, that. yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> don't worry about that. I've got that one. <laughs> I thought Jono's considered to be some kind of Swiss Army survival knife. Excellent. <laughs> Find a pub, kill a shark. No problem. Brilliant. What else do you, you need? Go. No worries. What else do you need to do on a day? <laughs> <laughs> that, that's it. And then... Um, the other is the two girls from the Daily Sport. 
no, definitely not. You're not drawing, <laughs> drawing no, no, on, no, no. on that one. The other one, I don't know. It'd have to be if I was on a de- desert island, I'd have to. Robbo was my golfing buddy, and he's yeah. shitting bunkers. So <laughs> I think, I think I, I'd. If we ever got off that desert island, Robbo would owe me a fortune. A fortune, oh, yeah. Oh, look at this. I love that. <laughs> Oh, I love that. Who, are, who asked that? That's a tremendous question. It's a great question, isn't it? Great question. Right, next one. Ian Wilson. Um, does Tommy know all the words to his song that we used to sing him? Um, I know the chorus. There's only one. Yeah, yeah. But, as but, there, know, but as we found out, there's As we found two. out, there's not. There's two. I'm the imposter. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the real one's still up north. Thankfully. There's two, and he's an accountant, so with compound interest, it's probably two point two something. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking the other day we don't tend to have sort of songs for players anymore. It's just like... nobody stays around long enough. Uh, true, or well, no one's iconic <laughs> enough. Maybe I don't know. It's just you know, was, there was a time when everyone Stevie Palmer had his song, and oh, his is great. Stevie Palmer's is great. Very yeah. similar to Tommy's, but with different lyrics. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next one, Chris Adams um, has put, after scoring the winner at home to Bradford City, what were your memories of the injury you sustained in another memorable victory at home to Chelsea in September 2000 that restricted you to only a handful of appearances that season? Yeah, I have very vivid memories about it. It That's the lowest point of my career, Um, all the way through it, obviously. You know, it turned out it was a, is a bad tackle from Desai. I still yeah. can't watch him on TV. Does it? Does that genuinely anger you? Yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. When yeah. I watched it back and see what sort of tackle it was, there's, it's un- unnecessary. And then, you know, this is—I don't know whether it shows bravery or stupidity, but I remember trying to get. I was always taught, you know, you don't get a physio on unless you need a stretcher. You got to be in a bad way. I'd rather just get up and pretend that I'm not hurt because I don't want somebody to have one over me and show yeah, me, yeah. you know, I wouldn't be one of these for rolling around and, and, and trying to win free kicks. I'd rather stay on my feet, obviously, unless I was on pens and then I might go down. <laughs> yeah. Because I jumped initially, I knew it was bad. I knew it was bad because I'd never experienced shooting pain like that. And then when I looked down and realized that my kneecap was on the side of my leg. Oh my God. It wasn't, but I still, stupidly, I still got up and tried to run it off. I mean, who runs what? off a kneecap that slipped? Yeah, right? it's on the wrong side, Tommy. I think you need to go off. Yeah. It's, yeah. Sorry. I mean, it's not rocket science that my knee's yeah. not going to bend, is it? No. So, but yeah, that was, it was difficult. I can laugh about it now. I can laugh about it now, but I missed, I missed seven and a half months of what could have been one of the best seasons of my life. Yeah. Uh, and, and the worst part of it is what, when you're on crutches for that amount of time and yeah, I, I get that, you know, the physio and a surgeon told me I probably wouldn't play again or no, actually, let me rephrase that. You, you might need to get your head around never playing again. Was what wow. I, um, That's not what you want to be hearing, is it? No, because you know, I'd already had two operations and I still didn't know what the problem was. I got to see an independent physio that was actually a good friend of the gaffers that worked for the British Olympic committee. And he got me back playing within three weeks. Mm. I'd missed I'd missed nearly oh. six months because nobody knew what it was, and I was back to play. But I, I played again. I made my first team um, debut back for against Man United. I come on at half time with with Yorkie. Um, <laughs> so a, a month after I got a second opinion, I played again because it was very very simple tweak to the rehab that I was having. Mm. And it was immediate. The progress was immediate. immediate. But the worst, worst part of it was going into the dressing room on a daily basis and not being able to help my mates out. Yeah. And I call them mates. We were teammates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, of course, we, of course we, was, we were colleagues, but I was. We were mates, mm. and I couldn't help when they were in a really bad situation. Mm. Yeah, could, could, one, could have it? done with you that season. Got to be honest, Tom. Yeah, yeah absolutely. We were, we were just... ravaged by it that season, weren't we? We had Nick Wright. Similar thing, didn't he? Right, he, Jono, you know, yeah, yeah. Jono did his cruciate at, at Liverpool, smart, he did his knee. Yeah, key, key players to the to the squad got, mm. but then you know, the gaffer signed a couple of good players and a couple of shit ones. Yes, yes he did, he did, he absolutely yes. agree. <laughs> he absolutely <laughs> did. And, and on that gravel and moment, let's move on to the next question. <laughs> uh, oh, next one, sorry. Nick, 
Next one's a, a, a bit more sort of current. Uh, this comes from Ad, uh, Adam Humphreys, and he asks, what can we expect to see from you this season? Uh, and sort of filling that, are you going to be on working with Watford in the, in the sense of doing the, the TV stuff? And, you know, what, what what's the, the plans for you this season? Yeah, I've uh, I've agreed with the club. Obviously, I'm, I'm delighted to have the ambassador role. Um, yep. I work match days in the corporate lounges. And obviously, throughout lockdown and, and everything else, I'm like the other ambassadors with anything the club have asked us to do, we've done, whether that be appearances or phone calls to, to people that need a little pickup. Uh, which, incidentally, I, I have to say, you know, I've spoken to an awful lot of people through through lockdown and I, I know that a lot of them are, are grateful for it, but I can mm-hmm. speak on behalf of myself and the other players that have done it. We're grateful to them too because, yeah. you know, we did lockdown too. Yeah. It, was yeah, nice, yeah. it was nice to speak to somebody and go through, like tonight, you know, going talking through old times and, and always with Watford, they're happy memories. Mm. So... You know, all of the other ambassadors I know uh, I can speak on behalf of and say, you know, it's not just us that did the calling. Thank you for reliving memories to the to the people that we spoke to. So um, well, I think but- I think oh, sorry, just to just to cut in a little bit, because there is also an, another layer of, of thanks through the lockdown, because obviously everything went into lockdown and a lot of people had kind of. I think in the championship at the time, we kind of I follow, but obviously the tail end of restart and everything else. Hive Live came along and yourself and Emma and all of the team threw together a TV channel in about 25 minutes, it seemed, which was absolutely fucking phenomenal. Thank you so much. It kept so many people in touch with the club um, and with, with what their obsession was. I mean, Justin and Carl started this off because they couldn't go to the football. I mean, could you imagine what they'd have done if you and Emma hadn't been on the TV? Um, <laughs> That that was astonishing, and, and John Marks, of course. Sorry, John Marks as, as well from the from the commentary point of view. Are, are there any kind of moments from there? Because I remember especially the Blackburn game when the feed switched off, and I think you and John were kind of like commentating on a game that you could barely see with binoculars or something. How yeah. how was that? Some incredible experiences, and we laugh and a joke about it, but they became my teammates. Mm-hmm. We we're an incredibly tight team because it's the same guys, and obviously initially when we did. Um, Hive Live, it was Emma who's incredible at what she does, and mm. then gone on, gone on you know, to do great things. Yeah, gone on to do great things, and she'll get better because she is an unbelievable pre- presenter, extremely professional and almost unflappable. Until you throw a Watford story at her, and then she crumbles because the supporter <laughs> in her comes out. Yeah, yeah. absolutely that. Yeah, yeah which yeah, I used yeah. to, lo- I used to love it because it's the only. She's so professional. If you throw something at her, then she'll give you the daggers and say, say you can, can you stop mentioning those things? I was a child, great memories. <laughs> Which obviously she was doing that just to make me feel old because she was <laughs> when I was playing. Yeah. But no, the, the, the whole of the hard, time, hard Live team and including John Marks, was incredibly difficult, but also rewarding because, you know, John and I, we couldn't go to the games. So we did the away games from Vicarage Road on a TV screen. Now, can you imagine how hard that is if you were watching a game live in your lounge and you've got to do the commentary? It yeah, ain't easy. So easy. John was John was brilliant. I just just so happens because of the the role that I had, I pretty much knew all of the players in the championship. And 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 the irony again, like now, I always think football is cyclical, and and Watford in particular, you know, because of lockdown, I was working for Sunderland in their recruitment department with another ex-Watford player in Tony Coton. Him and I worked together for five years at Villa, then we worked together for a year at Sunderland. Beginning of lockdown, we were all made redundant. The morning that I'd signed my redundancy agreement, I got a call from Richard Walker at, at the football club to say, would you would you fancy doing this? I was like, you're not going to believe the timing of this. I can do it. Yeah, I'd love to do it. Brilliant. So, yeah, it was, it, it was really, really good. Difficult for me walking through Vicarage Road through lockdown mm. when the home games were on because there wasn't even any stewards. Mm. Yeah, no one, yeah. It was eerie. I didn't like it, and it took me a long time to get used to it. But then, obviously, I've seen every game for the last two seasons, so I'm incredibly grateful for that. I enjoy the commentary role. I enjoy the corporate role, and I've agreed to do the commentary and um, a couple of other roles um, this season for the football club, starting with this Saturday at, at Wheelston. We're doing Ooh, our first I'm game. there. I'm looking forward to that. I'm there. I'm there. Absolutely. Absolutely. there, boys. Right. Ne- next question. Well, this one, uh, Tommy, so this comes from, let me just get the, uh, Mr. Paul Turner. 
Now, oh, we know where this is. M- going. Mr. Paul Turner asked very simply, "Does Tommy remember this?" And then I, I've actually got the, um, the the news article, and it's put uh, a lovesick Watford football club fan asked his girlfriend to marry him on the condition the Hornets won on Tuesday. So, do you, do you remember? Uh, do you remember this I, one? I, I vaguely remember the story. Yeah, I don't remember the details to it. Did it happen? Did it not? Well, he he proposed to her, but we we've we've. Um, we, we we made contact and he's put um, it didn't actually happen they didn't get married but <laughs> but you did facilitate the option but you did facilitate <laughs> the, the start well, of something beautiful which obviously unfortunately didn't didn't last I'm glad I've been a service at least he's kept his house <laughs> <laughs> well there you are you see this that's is the, right that's the accountant coming out in you there <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. old habits die hard <laughs> There you go, Paul. Good to know there that yeah. uh, you didn't have that, but at least you can keep all of your capital. Right. <laughs> this this one uh, this one actually touched the chord with me, and and it goes back to something you just said literally a couple of minutes ago. But I'll, I'll read the 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 comment first, and then there is a question to follow, which is asked. Which so this comes from Tony uh, on Twitter at one m traveller ninety nine. It's really nice, and he's put. When undergoing chemo last year, I had a call from Tommy. He chatted for a while and Tommy Mooney was just so positive and reassuring. Well, Tommy, I'm now on the mend and I will buy you a pint as promised. You're a top man. Tommy, thank you. So that just goes back to literally, you know, what what you've just said there. That's great news that he's on the mend. That's great. Yeah, but he has asked a question. and And the question is, best striker... You've teamed up with best at, at, is that at Watford or ever? Let's go ever. Let's go ever. Uh, it's a really easy one. He was head and shoulders above anything. Christoph Dugarry, I played Ooh. with uh, oh, yeah. at Birmingham. Yes, uh, yeah. He won won the World Cup and the European Championships with with France. Zinedine Zidane's best mate. Really, but not only the best footballer I've ever played with, the nicest man. Just shows you you don't have to be an idiot to be successful. You know, he's between him and Zidane, they own Bordeaux, the whole place. There's not, really? there's not a great, there's not a there's great, not a great that isn't theirs. <laughs> either either Zizi or Christophe own every grape in Bordeaux. That's so, but he is genuinely the nicest man. And if I can give you an example, probably the easiest way to describe Christophe is he knew what he was doing with his fifth touch before he took his first touch. Unbelievable football brain, technically so gifted. I never played with him in the Premier League, but we played together in some um, reserve team games when he was getting his fitness back. Just We used to use the same restaurant every Sunday for Sunday lunch. I'd take the family. Christophe had some friends over from, from France every week, different friends. He'd always send a bottle of wine over for us and some, some sweets for the kids. Just top, top bloke. Class, oh, brilliant, that's, yeah, class, and it that's yeah. class. In fairly, in fairness, sorry, I should say, Jamie Morley knew what he was going to do with his second touch because it was normally a tackle, which was a nice thing. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie Morley's made more money as an agent, yeah, than he ever made in his, in his playing career. Ga- but uh, Ga- Gavin Marn as well, Gavin really well. He's, yeah, he's, I can't he's, believe it. He's done all right. I oh, Grealish's deal, Grealish, yeah, God, he can get the beers in if we if he comes back. <laughs> Right, next one. This is sort of sticking with what we've just um, done. It's, it's another somebody that just wants to really say uh, to, to say thank you. And this, this is uh, from uh, Michael, and it's his Twitter handle at nineteen underscore Michael sixty one. And he's put, "When I was suffering from PTSD, I got a phone call from Tommy. He chatted for thirty minutes and gave me the biggest boost imaginable. What a totally great bloke! I'll never forget." The interest he took, the positive encouragement he gave, a total Watford legend. Thank you, Tommy. No question to that, but I thought it was important to say because, and, and this this probably is, is where I sort of interject in this. I, I was fortunate enough to watch you to play. I, I know I look older than you, but I'm not, believe it or not. No, so I, I, I got to... I would never say that. No, 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 no. It's the great big granddad. I am a granddad as well, but... I, I when we used to play with our mates uh, at you know the football pitches and stuff like that, and you, you mentioned it earlier, you know who were the who were the players used to pretend to be. I used to pretend to be Tommy Mooney, and it, it you know just to talk to you and, and stuff like that. And I think it's really incredible and, and important to especially in the world that we live in now, to tell people what they mean to us and the, the effect that they have. Although you you might not even know that you've done it, 
it's so important to say it nowadays, especially in this, this social media sort of era that we live in. Um, and sometimes it's just ni- nice to say. So, you know, on the back of, of, of what uh, Michael just said there, it is a massive thank you. And the word legend can also be overused, but in, in terms of Tommy Mooney, it isn't, it isn't used enough, in my opinion. And that, that, that's the end of that one. It's very kind of you to say, much appreciated. Thank you. No worries. So this comes from next one. Um, Wirral Hornet Steve. wonder where he's from. I'm going to ask it, but I already know the answer. The goal at Anfield in 1999 for our only ever win there. Oh. Uh, thank you. Was the biggest moment. Was that the biggest moment in your career? No, Wirral Hornet Steve. Of course it wasn't. No, we've answered that one already, hasn't it? It, it was lovely. And personally, I hold it high up there because, yes, it's my first Premier League goal. It's our first win but it I'm sorry fellas it'll never change the answer it doesn't ever get better than Wembley 99 here at the famous sloping pitch podcast we're following the greatest show on earth but would you like pitch side seats for all the action in Qatar the heat the goals the drama well so would we but why not join me Nick Hancock in Stoke-on-Trent and co-host Chris England in London's SW16 every game live from England the famous sloping pitch podcast we think this tournament could be okay sport social I think, I think it's fair to say that if you live on the Wirral and you're a Hornet, <laughs> that's yeah. probably the best weekend you are ever going to have. And, yeah. and Steve is a prop, he's a great guy. He really contributes on all the social media and everything as well. So, yeah, I, I can understand why you would think it would be, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, glad he, I'm glad he didn't have a spa to travel home as we do. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's true. That's, that's a fair point. Can um, you imagine that weekend? That must have been massive. <laughs> I hope he got a ticket. <laughs> yeah, he probably didn't. Probably couldn't get near the grounds. Yeah. Uh, right. Next one comes from Lightfoot Fairbanks. This is more of a business proposition, I think, but we'll go with it. Ooh. Has Tommy ever considered opening up a nightclub, ice cream parlor, amusement arcade, snooker hall, fashion? Uh, don't know what that says. Uh, tropical fish aquarium shop on Watford High Street, and calling it Mooney Wonderland. That would be <laughs> that would be big in the town. That would be big in the town. If somebody wants to set it up, I can do the books. Yes, of course. Yeah. Oh, look at this, everybody. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. Jason, Jason's asked on Twitter, but again, we've we've kind of gone through this. And please give us some Craig Bramage stories. That's for another oh. podcast, I fear. But <laughs> we'll, we'll swiftly move on. Next one comes from... Who's the lady at the radio, Justin, that you know? Is it Fasana? Fasana Chowdhury. Fasana. Fasana yeah. Chowdhury. This comes from her, right. So she's put, where is the most bizarre place Tommy has been recognised? That's a really good question. And there is plenty of bizarre. However, it, it comes with it comes it comes with mistaken identity quite often. Have you been called someone else? People think I'm Danny Mills all of the time. Oh, no. <laughs> this and is I've, terrible news. I've genuinely, if it's very, very polite people. I have signed Danny Mills as well. <laughs> autograph. I wonder I if he's ever signed Tommy Mooney. <laughs> I don't want to upset them. And then obviously you get, I mean, at, at Birmingham a lot, I often get, I'm not sure which one you are. Are you Lee Carsley or Tommy Mooney? Lee Carsley, oh God. And I'll, whatever answer I gave them, they would say, yeah, I thought so. Just to cover their own backs. And you, right. yeah, Lee Carsley, oh, I thought so. We, yeah. we, we've, we've mentioned Andrew French, who, who's been good enough to uh, give us a few a few evenings of his time talking about various things. And one of them was uh, the tale of Graham Taylor suggesting to him that he shouldn't just walk past when wearing a club tracksuit coming off a bus. He should join in and, and do do signatures. And therefore he yeah. was signing them. What, what was your take on this? Was, was he quite keen to do this or was, or was it something he was begrudging about? Uh, I'll give you the truth about that story. Brilliant. That's what we're after. <laughs> it wasn't the gaffer's idea. It was the Frenchie's idea. What? Yeah, what it was Frenchie's the... idea. Sorry, sorry, Frenchie. <laughs> we all know that you signed. He actually used to sign shirts when they used to lay them out in the yeah. in the training ground. Yeah, we'd have to sign the balls and the shirts. We actually a couple of times we caught Frenchie signing. The was balls he signing them? 
Yeah. You wait, Frenchie. This is a... You have to be careful with this Andrew French guy. Brilliant. Hot off the press. Is it true? He genuinely thinks he could have won the number nine in the Premier League. He genuinely... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you have to bear in mind that Frenchie's essentially he's a journalist. So... Why let the truth get in the way of a good yeah, story? There you go. Oh, there you go. I can't wait to talk to him again. I can't. <laughs> he's, he's, no, got, he's, yeah. he's been a star here, I tell you. He absolutely has been. Yeah, he's a good bloke. I've got to be honest. As much as I give him stick, if I didn't give him stick, he'd think I'd fallen out with him. So Frenchie knows everything I'm saying is tongue-in-cheek. Right. However, <laughs> however, he does love to sign an autograph. That's brilliant. brilliant. I love that. That's fantastic. I love that. Next one. Right. Next one comes up from Jason. He's put, would you rather... Be on the receiving end of a full-blooded tackle from either Jono or Robbo. Uh, that's easy. I'd rather it was Jono because it'll be well-timed. <laughs> Whereas Robbo would just probably... Robbo. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Robbo's, Robbo's just organised violence, basically. <laughs> <laughs> it, could hit, it, it could hit any part of you, but it's like his passes. It could hit any part of your body. When he passes the ball to you or he tackles you, it could be on any part of the body. This is brilliant. brilliant. I love that. And he's the same on the golf course, I've got to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) He's exactly the same. He is a cult hero at Watford. He is a cult hero at Watford. Quite rightly too. Quite rightly too. He's done good. Yeah, he has. He's done really well. Um, Right, Dave Lavender, a real uh, good friend of the podcast. And and this is probably going to develop into something. We're in the championship this season. We've got to play them lot up the road, who shall be unnamed. We've asked a few players this. And we... so I, I want to get your version of it. Can Tommy give us the version as to what really went on in the dressing room at halftime in the 4-0 win against them lot up the road, especially the week building up to the games? Do the players realise how much it means to the fans? So it's kind of a two-part to get your opinion on this season, the crop of yeah. players. There's obviously a lot of change, what, what it means to the fans, but... Also, as I've just said, we, we've spoken to a few players that were part of that, and it's the alleged Graham Taylor sort of saying to you guys at halftime, boys, calm down, don't, yeah. don't go and smash them up anymore. What's, what's your side of that, firstly? I think my experience of it was that, yes, we understood. We were predominantly British lads, understand the fact that local derbies happen. We, I also get that you wouldn't expect it to be a Luton Watford one unless you're a local. Mm-hmm. But understanding that gives you a, an insight into it. So we got that. And also at the time, the press were quite heavily involved in it. You know, the Watford Observer were very influential in, in, in the football club at the time. Mm. So it was constant reminders. Obviously, there wasn't as much media when we played as there is now and certainly no social media. But we were very, very aware of it. And I didn't have a good record in those uh, in those games. But the one at Junction 10. Uh, <laughs> I like the near, way you phrase that, yeah. Well done. Near, <laughs> it's just near the airport. That's it. It's um, just near the airport, yeah. Oh, what a day that was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, incredible. And in a great kit, that Milan kit. Oh, that was that's super, that's superb. Just another incredible performance from Peter Kennedy. Yeah. One of one of many. Mm. I've got to be honest with you, I'd love to, to share a story with you about halftime. I don't really remember it because what I found strange was that the players were calm because we were waiting to hear what he said because we knew we'd done well. And the staff, even the gaffer, was so wound up. <laughs> it was it was brilliant. <laughs> I don't remember. I'd love to tell you a story, but I'm not going to lie to you. I don't remember because I was so excited to be coming off that pitch with the scoreline as it was. I get that I, I, that what other people have said, and if that happened, that's happened. I'm not sure, but the gaffer and Kenny were so upbeat mm. about how we played, but more importantly, what we needed to do in the second half. And I, I doubt anything to do with don't score any more goals was ever said. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were so delighted with the way we'd... Because before the game, they'd messed us around. It, they always do. They'd messed us around in the dressing room to the full extent that they could legally get away with it. They'd messed us around. And we shoved it right up their arse in the pit. <laughs> I think I found the soundbite for the beginning of the podcast there, Peter. 
<laughs> you could just get a drum roll in for that one. Yeah. It's yeah. Fantastic. Brilliant stuff. And the kit was wonderful. Uh, and the referee, the, the referee absolutely pulled one because there was a stone cold penalty in that first half. Uh, second half, sorry. That no, was the first and half, Cole. It was the first, oh, it was half, the first half, half, yeah. Yeah, yeah. On yeah, Ronnie. Yeah. On Ronnie. Ronnie Rosenthal, yeah. I mean, how that wasn't given is beyond me. But yeah, what a day. And I, I'm. I'm God, we need to we need to get them back this season. Something to look forward to, isn't it? Let's yeah, just... yeah. It's something. Uh, do you know the other added bit to it is I think the fans are involved with it this time round, which is obviously going to be. Uh, It'll be different. It'll so be very I, different. I went to the uh, obviously I went to the one at Vicarage Road during lockdown, and it was yeah. you know I, I wanted to see some some violence, but there wasn't any. Yeah. On the, it wasn't like none of the tackles were full blooded because there was no supporters in. Mm. In the stadium, yeah. mm. so this time around, we'll hopefully hear some tackles because that's what a derby is all about to me. Yeah, you know, it's about showing who cares and who wants it the most. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Yeah. Uh, next one, George White. Is it true? Oh, I like these. Is it true no, when you're? No, it's not. No, it's not. It wasn't, no. <laughs> next question. No. Yeah. <laughs> next question. Uh, is it true when you're at Wickham, uh, Aidy Buffoy tried to re-sign you for Watford? Any truth in that? Good question. Yeah. Um, so I'm told I was incredibly disappointed not to learn about it at the time. Wickham were, I mean, I was 36, but I was still doing okay. Yeah. You know, I looked after myself better in my 30s than I did in my 20s. So I was, you know, I was doing well. My goal ratios were good. Mm. We'd gotten Wickham to the semi finals of the Carling Cup against Carling Chelsea. Cup. Yeah, yeah. And then there wasn't transfer windows. It was still the old school transfer deadline day. And the story, as I was told, I was told the story two ways. One by the manager, Paul Lambert, who became my manager when I worked at Aston Villa too. He said the owner turned the deal down because Watford were desperate for a striker and Eddie wanted to bring me back in. And then the owner at the time, Steve Ears, found out that Paul Lambert had blamed him. And he said, no, Paul Lambert said, we can't go to Chelsea without Tommy. So whatever they offer, we can't take it. Now, if I'd if Eddie had been smart about it, he'd have rang me. Yeah. He'd, he'd have rang me, and I'd have got it done because I'd, I'd have walked back. But sadly, I wasn't given the opportunity because mm. I think, it, and it's this might that sound daft. You guys, as Watford supporters, I think I I think you'd have enjoyed the way I played later in my career mm. as opposed to you know all blood and thunder in in my twenties. I I think I I got better as a footballer, and I think you'd have liked it. Yeah, I mean your your stats at Swindon, Oxford, and Wickham were really something. I mean, generally, you know, they were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You kind of, you kind of went from one to another. I mean, Derby days must have been interesting there. After you moved from one to another occasionally, but yeah, I doubled my wages collecting the coins and tucking them in my sock. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't easy, but yeah, I did the M40 corridor just so I could keep the kids in the same school. So I did that travelling distance, and you know, I was I was sold a sold a story at Oxford that. I knew from day one that I'd, I'd messed up by leaving Swindon, um, but quite a principled man. And when a director lies to me, that's it. I don't want to speak to them. So I left Swindon, went to Oxford. It was half an hour closer to home. But then John Gorman and Rob Lee, who's a really good mate of mine, were at Wickham. So yeah. I did two years at, at Wickham and then a year at Walsall because it was on my doorstep. And mm. the irony of that is I did five years or something like that after I left Birmingham to keep the kids in school. And then we moved to Spain. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Did you play? Am I right in saying you played in Spain as well? Yeah, I finished in Marbella, yeah. yeah. It wasn't what it said on the tin. I knew within a couple of weeks that they don't cross the ball. So what, what use am I to them? You know, it's right. they, they want to walk it over the line. And then it was the equivalent of League One. But I, I had a, a home there. So it, will, it, was a, it wasn't a career move. It was a lifestyle move. And I was 38. So Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. The kids Absolutely. are fluent Spanish, so it cost me a to get to get back. But the kids are fluent Spanish. Yeah, you are. Yeah, people pay thousands for that. So yeah, exactly. I did, and of course, <laughs> <laughs> and of course, in your in your year at Warsaw, you took yeah. a young striker under your wing, and that relationship is seemingly still still strong today with Mister Troy Deeney before he before he saw the light. Obviously, came to Watford. What what? What was what was your impressions of, of Troy initially? Um, he was like he was like a chupa chup lolly. He just had a <laughs> big head on a really skinny body. What but, description? Um, I know that's a really good description, but for a moment I thought you were talking about Darren Baisley. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, he was just, um, well, first and foremost, Rich, Richard Money was a coach at, at Villa yeah. um, when I was there. And he rang me up as I was leaving Wickham because, you know, I found out about the Watford thing. Didn't really want to stick around Wickham with people I couldn't trust. So he rang me and said, Walsall had just got promoted into League One and said, listen, why don't you come and do a year with me? It's on your doorstep, the division above. And I've got a little project for you that you might get want to get your teeth into. And, and obviously that project was trying. You know, Rich was smart enough to realise there was something there. Yeah, he, he got his head down. He worked. I worked with him a lot. After training, it was one of my first responsibilities, if you like, as a coach, to work with some of the younger players, not just Troy, some of the other younger players too. You know, he, he'll, he'll tell you that that's why his chest is so big, because every time he missed the, tr- missed the target in training, I made him do two press-ups. <laughs> not because that gives you a big chest. I wanted him to be embarrassed that he'd missed the target. Right. So I just made them do two press-ups. And I continue it. I, all the way through my coaching at, at Villa, I made them do that. I think it's, it's something that I did because... You need to learn the value of hitting the target. If you miss the target, there's no way you're going to score. If you hit the target, you've got a chance. Um, so they have, they have to learn the value of that. And yeah, he was. we played alongside each other in a couple of games. Obviously, I was 38 and he was, what, 19, something like that. 20 maybe. And he didn't drive, so I was his taxi. <laughs> he, he loved it and lauded it, but went on to be an outstanding asset to the football club that, that I love. So... You know, I think from both sides of it, I know what he feels about the football club and I know what you guys feel about Troy. Yeah, he's been yeah. there a long time. He's been, it's been a difficult time for him. Yeah, of course. And, and don't get me wrong, through lockdown, I knew when my phone went, when I got back in the car leaving Vicarage Road after the games, I knew where it was. Until we, we, we had a bit of a fallout once because the game hadn't gone well. I think, um, I can't remember what game it was, but he, he rang me and he said, what do you think about that? What would you do with this? I said, uh, I said to him, oh, shit, the M40 shut. He said, I know. I said, well, where are you? He said, I'm on the M1 because the M40 shut. So why the hell didn't you tell me that? <laughs> Thanks. Cheers. Cheers for that, Troy. Thanks, talking. Troy. Honestly, it took me three hours because I had to go all the way through Beaconsfield and all the villages to get back up. Oh, my God. And now, now he lives a, a mile away. I probably live on his land. I'm, I'm not even sure. <laughs> He's like yeah. a largest, letter through the, the door one day, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's my, council tax, my council tax is paying for his teeth whitening. <laughs> 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 During lockdown, he could have rung you on some occasions and complained about Vladimir Ivich, and you could have turned around quite legitimately and said, sod off, I just had to commentate on that. I mean, that was... You know, we talked about Hive Live earlier on. That was, that was a baptism of fire, really, wasn't it? Crying out loud. We, we talked about Wembley earlier on and what it meant for you when you were there and everything. How did you feel, if we go back to 2019 and the FA Cup semi-final, and everybody will always remember the Delafeu goals, but the penalty in the last minute of normal time, Troy stands up, puts that away. How does that make you feel almost kind of vicariously in terms of your relationship and everything that you've done, you kind of just knowing Troy? What does that feel like to you on that day? Yeah, proud. Really proud of how he conducts himself on the on the football pitch and how he deals with those situations. I know what it's like to take penalties. Yeah. Particularly, I think the pressure was was magnified on him because he was only scoring penalties yeah. in in that lockdown. Time. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. But also at that time in the, in the cup semi final, which by the way, you know, I met Susanna after football. She knows nothing about football. That semi-final is the only game she's been to. So she thinks she gets champagne and a three-course dinner. (laughs) She absolutely loved it with that ending. I said, they're not all like this. They're not all like this. They're not all like this. So very proud of him for the way that he dealt with that. Because that, I mean, we talked about how nervous I was at St Andrews that particular night. You could argue that that's even bigger. Yeah, yeah, mm. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, that was just my wife telling me she's a cheaper date, apparently, but, you know, who knows? <laughs> um, <laughs> Carlos, next question, sir. It comes from Wendover Horn, and he's put, you have taken the loan manager job at other clubs, looking after players out on loan, developing and, and, and so forth. With regards to Watford and, and having spent some time with you this evening, uh, you, you kind of come across as, dare I say it, one of us, in a sense of your love for the club, which really comes across. 
yeah, 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 and do, and it, and I hope that comes across to the people that, that are listening to this now. And if bearing in mind our our current situation and and uh, Rob Edwards is coming to the club and and so forth, and we, and we don't know what the future holds, which is a little bit of a talking point at the moment because we, you know, we're we're really desperate for things to to change for the right reasons. Tommy Mooney, outside of doing what you're doing at the moment at the club, is there a role you could, you know, if it came across your way and you just said a second ago, you'd walk when you were at Wickham to us as a, as a 36-year-old. If there was a coaching role or something to do at the club, would, would you take that? I don't necessarily think it would be a coaching role. I haven't coached now for, for probably seven or eight years. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I... I did. I had the loan manager's role, which was very, very new when I took it over at Aston Villa. There was only the top six clubs had it, plus mm-hmm. Aston Villa at the time. Now most clubs have one. I did turn down a role last summer at, um, at a Premier League club, which was exactly the same, because I was enjoying my stuff with Watford, and I have had conversations with with the people that care about the football club about various different roles. Nothing's come up at this time, but I wouldn't want to give any more details about no, 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 of course. the right thing to, to do. But yeah, there's been conversations over the over the last couple of years about something, but nothing as yet. What I would say is that I think they're going in the right direction when it when you look at the academy footprint now. Yeah, since John Johnson yeah, yeah. and Jimmy Gilligan have gone Gilligan, back in. Yeah. They're an excellent partnership that certainly turned the academy on its head because a couple of years ago it was in a terrible state. Yeah. So I think that that's going in the right direction. Obviously, the loans role that I had, it, it was it was dual aspect. You've got to develop players and, and give them a value to the football club, whether that be joining the first team or whether it be a value as a transferable player and making mm-hmm. the club money when they come from an academy. That's a development loan. Or whether it be like at Aston Villa, where I had a tin hat on and I was told this guy's <laughs> earning this much money, I need you to get him out, which I think, you know, when I was learning the role, I seemed to do quite well and saved the club quite a few quid. But essentially, I suppose that's what I do. It's people hire my contact book, not mm. me as a coach. Mm. Okay. Yes, I've coached and I love coaching. I loved coaching the individual players in under 23s and 18s, working with the strikers purely on an individual basis. I love that. Team coach? No, that's not for me. But I suppose my my recent background is more recruitment slash loans. However, I do love watching the club every week and visiting Vicarage Road and, and working with John Marks on the commentary. If something comes up, yes, I'd definitely be interested. That's brilliant. Awesome. Fantastic brilliant. stuff. Fantastic stuff. That's great. And the last question. Are we getting promoted this season, Tommy? I think we've we've gone in the right direction by getting a British coach. He's inexperienced at this level, but I know Rob. I worked with him briefly at Aston Villa. Yeah. Very studious, very confident coach, knows what he wants. Very successful in League Two last season, which I know is very different to the Championship, but you have to start somewhere. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yeah. And the fact that, you know, there's homegrown ratios. I think that that can be really positive for the the football club Mm -hmm. in the short term that leads to the longer term so I think we're going in the right direction I think it'd be more difficult this season yeah. than it was for Cisco to come in and change things completely because then you had a nucleus of Premier League players I yeah. don't think we've got a nucleus of Premier League players now but there is some really good players and some good guys you know that's one of the bonuses of my job that people don't see I get to go to the training ground and speak to the players yeah. I really enjoy that because I'd like to think I can look in a player's eyes and know whether he's bullshitting me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, and I've I've got the opportunity to do that. And there's some really good guys still in that dressing room. If they can add some more players of the right type, then Rob has a has a good style of play. He has to make that good enough to win enough games in the championship to get promoted. Yeah. And it's a bonkers league, that league. It is a mental league. It so, is. Yeah. It is also. But then, you know, the last couple of years, it's been, there's been some really, really strong teams in there. Mm. I don't think Norwich will be as strong as they were last time around. I don't no. think Burnley will be as strong as they were last time around. You've got Forrest out, who would have been far and away favourites if they hadn't got promoted. Mm-hmm. Um, because of just because of how much money the club are, are throwing in there. 
So there's there's two or three clubs that have been on the edge of promotion for the last two or three years. I think the pandemic has been a leveller for yeah. a lot of clubs in the championship. It used to be, well, they'll get promoted because they've got the most money. That's why, you know, the yo-yo teams, Watford were for a little while, West Brom were, Norwich and Burnley were for, for, for spells. I think that almost eradicates in the next season or two. It still is and will always be the most difficult division to get promoted from, without doubt, just because of the level of talent in that division. But not all of the talented players can deal with the workload with the Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Saturday. Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, yeah. And you've got an awful lot of international players in the championship now, which you perhaps didn't have in my career span. Mm. So you've got internationals that are missing. World Cup this year is unprecedented at that time of the season. So I think it will be a very unorthodox season. But as it stands right now, I'm really positive on it. I would say that I I was lucky enough to be invited to the the pre-season game last weekend against Wickham. And the lads looked really, really sharp. They did look really sharp, so I'm looking forward to to seeing. Obviously, you guys at Wheelston at the weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'll be there. Yeah, yeah. it's a tough start, boys. We know that Monday, Monday, Friday is a tough, mm. tough start. Yeah, with the games that we've got coming up. So you know, nobody ever wants to be playing catch up. But we no, sure no, no, no. last time around in the championship, when by the time Cisco came in, we were struggling. He he got things going quickly. Hopefully, Rob can do the same. Yeah, fingers crossed. Tommy, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thank you very much for uh, joining us for, well, it's been nearly three hours, which is absolutely amazing. It's been lovely having your company this evening. Thank you very much. Really good to talk to you, fellas. I've enjoyed it. Some good stories. Loved it. Loved it. Thanks, Tommy. Uh, also, thanks, special thanks to the club as well for allowing this. Um, it, you know, fantastic. As I've said before, I won't cover it too much. You are an absolute legend. I know you mean so much to so many people. So, um, so, so carry on being Mr. Tommy Mooney. Thank you very much. And Andy Collins said, I've got to remind you that if I did this, you owe him a dinner. It's, well, no, I think, no, I he's think, done it. I think it was a cheeseburger we agreed he in. He said end, a cheeseburger. I think, I think we he's agreed never ju- he's, he's never just had one cheeseburger in his life. Oh, no. So, right, well, okay. I better get the old discount be... card out at uh, Miller and Carter then, I suppose. <laughs> it's going to be expensive. Just go take him to Costco. He'll be fine. Oh, yeah. right, that's brilliant. Yeah, you can have one Slab of those cheese bakes. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Tommy, it's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been uh, great to have you on the podcast. No worries, fellas. Nice to talk to you. Oh, please, you please. Sports Social Podcast Network. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around, you've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget. Snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery free and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.